Good morning. David, thank you for that, because that, that, that was real honesty. That was, that was real. Um, and what we want this morning is for us all to be as open and as real as that. Uh, because if, if something's going to be restored, we have to be real. We have to be so honest about where we are and, and what things really are like for us. Because otherwise... Nothing is renewed and nothing's rebuilt because there's no starting point. So the starting point is restore. Um, I wanted to say something about last week. Last week we were away um, and listened to the audio of the service last week and it was great. It was so good hearing all the testimonies of people coming forward for different <coughs> things. And it's wonderful hearing about people that have been um, through uh, cancer and they've come out the other side, and that is tremendous. And it's, it was good to hear about small groups, how they stood with people through difficult times and prayed and interceded with one another. And it was wonderful because this is the church. But the one thing that really I loved more than, more than that <laughs> is when John stood up and shared or came forward and shared, and he said, I want to thank God for Basingstoke. And you think, so, you know, that was tremendous because he said it's, it's such a good place. It is such a good place to be. And he said, you know, we don't realise. In, in a way, he was saying we don't realise what we have, where God has put us. And he said, you know, we live like princes. We live like princesses. We've got so much here. And he said, and there's so many other people, when you look around the world, like we've been praying about this morning, so many awful things happening to people, real people like you and me, and yet we're in this place here. So let's embrace what we have here and let's say to, you know, to God, what are you doing here, Lord? Why, are you, why have you got us here? We st- uh, I'm going to click this through. We're going to start with a reality check. Now, every one of these small segments have a reality check at the beginning. But this one probably is the most important because it comes at the very first stage. You have reality checks before, I'm sure, you know, where you've got to square up to difficult situations and circumstances. You may have had to have um, reviews at work and what's your position, how's your job going in regards to a job description or a task that you've had to do. So you can measure how well you're doing and what needs to change. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a reality check. Now, this is um, personal to me, this number. I don't know whether it means anything to anyone else, but 12,747 is a relevant number to me. Now, it is only relevant today because that number is counting days. That's what that's doing. Now, it doesn't seem many, does it? 12,747 days. It doesn't sound very long. That is an equivalent to 418 months. Or you could put it another way. You could say it's 1,821 weeks. You see, if I count that down to zero, 
I get to 15th of November, 1987. That's a really big day for me. That is a very big day. To, it happened to be a Sunday. That is the day that I first confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord. Amen. That was the very first day. Uh, 12,747 days. I can tell you a couple of things about 12,747 days. One is this. The majority of it is gone. In memory, it's gone. You know, I have a reasonably good memory. And I'm good at remembering places, events, what people have said, what things have happened, what we've done, what things have gone wrong. I'm reasonably good. But I tell you what, I can't remember most of those days. There are key days I can tell you about with great detail. And then there are other days that even with help, even with reminders, even with triggers that could help you, I would struggle. The majority of it is evaporated. It's gone. I can tell you about this day in great detail, real detail. I can tell you about the next few days after that in good detail. But over a period of time, most days seem to just blend into others. <clears throat> Two things I can tell you about those days. And one is this. Although I can't remember the specific detail of all those days, I can tell you this. My relationship with God, my heart towards God, has gone like this all the way through. It's wandered. You know, just like a, a sailboat. You know when you see a sailboat on a lake or, or an ocean and they've got a tack to get the wind, you know, to keep going forward. And they tack from side to side. That's how my walk has been. You know, regardless of whether it's been intentional or not, that's what happens. That's what I did. Now I can tell you about days when I've been really close to God and how good that is. There's been particular days where you just don't want to come out of his presence. You know, not that you can, but there are times when you're, you're devoted, you're in his space. Just like this morning, you know, there's, something's happening in God's presence. And you think, I want to remain there. But yet, with time, you wander off again. And you, you don't wander out of sight completely, but you wander. And that's what happens. The other thing I can tell you about this, these 12,747 days is this. God's heart has not changed towards me one bit. It has been consistent. He has been a straight line because it didn't depend on what I was doing as to how he felt about me or what he was doing for me. So I wander in and out and he's faithful, dead straight, doesn't move. When you become a Christian, or what happened to me when I became a Christian, <clears throat> it was on the back of other people who were already there calling out to me and in inviting me to come along. And over a period of time, my hard, brittle heart started to see things differently. 
and I started to come closer and closer. And so in the end, I got to this day and I stepped into God's kingdom. Now, in that, people tell you about the wonderful things God's going to do. And he does. You know, he does. And I'm sure we can all testify. All the wonderful things he's going to give you, all the things that he's going to change about you, and how he's going to provide for you. This is wonderful. He's going to, he's going to take my life and he's going to cover it with his. And he's going to deal with the things that I cannot deal with. He's going to take away the past and all the things that I've done out of his sight, out of his gaze, and all the things that I've done in rebellion against him. He's going to take those and he's going to deal with it. Because there is no antidote for those things. There's no change in those things. There's no um, uh, vaccine. That's, that's what I'm trying to think of. <laughs> There's no vaccine for that. There isn't and there will never be. There is only one person who can deal with that, and that's him. And if that's not enough, then he says he will put his spirit within me, guaranteeing me a, a deposit, guaranteeing me for what will come. He blesses me uh, with, with changing my heart and changing the way I feel and think. And all of these things are incredible, and there's more besides. And this is how good he is as a father. But what people don't tell you is your response to having these things, to being saved by him, my response has to be, I surrender. And that's my problem. That's where I'm wandering. Because I don't surrender wholeheartedly all the time. Now, if I did, it would be a different story. But I wonder. I'm going to, if you've got a Bible, we're going to attempt Nehemiah 1. We're using Nehemiah with this short series, not as a Bible study as such, but as a parallel for us, uh, as a vehicle. So, if I get stuck on any names or any particular words, if you know how to say them, shout them out. Um, okay, we're gonna go, we're gonna read the whole chapter, I'm afraid. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hachach. Thank you. Well, everybody heard that, I hope. It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel. Hopefully, this next name is the last one that I'm struggling with. Then Hanani, yeah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from uh, captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days uh, with fasting and prayer before the God of heaven. 
And I said, I pray, Lord God, uh, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept your commandments and statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and, I keep, and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you are cast out to the farthest parts of heaven, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was king, the king's cupbearer. I'm going to say, go through this, because we're running out of time, I'm afraid, but don't know much about Nehemiah, apart from the fact that he's born to Jewish parents whilst they're in exile. He is cupbearer to the king. He's in an honoured position. The thing that I, I don't know how old it, this man is when this is written, but the thing that puzzles me is, has he ever been to Jerusalem? That's what I'm thinking. Has he ever visited Jerusalem? Because the chances are, it doesn't sound like he has. But the thing that I'm moved by is this man is so concerned for the people of Jerusalem in Judah and the city of Jerusalem. Is it because his heart is aligned with God's heart and he's not waving around like I am? Is it because he seeks God? Because he knows scripture. He knows scripture because he's quoting scripture back at God and saying, remember your promise that if we're scattered, you'll bring us back if we're faithful. So that's what I'm thinking. And then I'm thinking, because we're running out of time, I'm thinking, so for us, how faithful are we to God's heart? How aligned are we with God's heart? I was talking with somebody um, a while back and they were telling me about the vision this church has uh, for being a city of refuge, being a reprocessing factory and being a, you know, a group of hope carriers. And this guy said, you know, he loved the vision of this church. He, he got it. He really appreciated it. But what he also said was, he asked the question, he said, is the city of refuge hope church? Or is it Basingstoke? You know, it's a good question. It's a really good question. If it, is it just for us who are here or is it for those that are outside? Because if it's good for us in here, it's good for those outside. And if God's heart is for us in here, 
His heart is for those outside. And if the vision for here was to develop and be fulfilled, Basingstoke would be a city of refuge because so many more people would come to realise that. I'm really going to cut to the chase. So that's the, that's the question I'd like you to take home. How is your heart aligned with God's for the people of Basingstoke? But how do we do it? We're going to take communion in, in just a moment. And hopefully that gives us an opportunity, like we've been doing this morning, to confess things to God and say about where my heart wanders off to, where I go to. Uh, the things that we should be confessing and bringing to God uh, about heart, our heart attitude, maybe towards the people around us that we don't understand and we don't have good relationship with. Because God is about renewing and rebuilding as well as restoring you and I. He wants to do far greater things than, uh, than we realise. So I'm going to play a song. This is by Matt Redman. I hope you've heard it before. But if not, sit back and listen to it. The words will come up on the screen. And then we're going to move into a time of communion. This is an opportunity to respond to everything that's been happening this morning. So.